I'm Kathy Ballman with Ballman Ranch in Gonzales, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. You know what to do. Just jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, shocking numbers in USDA's cotton crop estimate in Friday's Crop Production and Supply and Demand Report. They cut nearly 3 million bales out of the cotton production number, and that caught everyone by surprise. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Facing an abundance of challenges this season, many farmers in the Texas High Plains made some critical moves to try and make the best of a bad situation. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. The yield potential for the West Texas cotton crop is still undetermined, but the prolonged drought and high temperatures will certainly have a final impact. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have the story from the South Plains on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report on Friday, and the cotton numbers in that report are being described as shocking by market analysts. USDA cut the estimate of the 2022 cotton crop nearly 3 million bales, taking it from 15.5 million down to 12.57 million. Domestic carryout fell below the 2 million bale mark, down to 1.8 million bales. That's the lowest carryout we've seen since we've been keeping records back to 1960. Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says that tells him there's no extra cotton to be found here in the U.S. I just I can't overemphasize the 1.8 million carryover, the lowest you've seen back to the 60s. But I, I know seriously, I, I have never allowed myself, whether my mathematics, my statistics wanted me to or not, I've never been able to use a carryover below 1.9. To me, at 1.9, there is no more cotton left because it's all tied up in transit or, or in a warehouse you can't get to or it's on a boat or something like that. Cleveland says this report will take cotton prices back to where they were earlier this year, easily putting another 10 cents on the market. Previously commented that if we got this kind of a number, 
that we were limit up today and at least a half a limit up Monday. And we would trade a nickel on either side of a dollar and 15 cents. So but I'll say a low of 107 to a high of 117. That's my forecast for, until we get a better definition on the crop size. But Cleveland adds that it's not unreasonable to see as much as a 30-cent jump in the future based on these numbers. Farmers are the eternal optimists, but going through a drought year like this one can take all the optimism out of anyone. Robert Payne farms in Bosque County. He's doing what he can to survive right now, and he does hope that next year will be better. The only problem with next year is how many of us is going to stay in the business. I know several of my uh, friends and allies, that's, they've thrown in the towel, said enough's enough. Uh, I'm not there yet, but if it doesn't rain and we doesn't have anything for the cattle to feed in the fall and winter, then you may be forced to whether you want to or not. And he's looking at that very real possibility right now. Robert Payne of Bosque County. Many farmers in the Texas High Plains made some critical moves this year to make the best of a bad situation. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Area farmers have been hit with all kinds of challenges this season. First and foremost, the drought. But Randall County Extension agent J.D. Ragland says many producers were thinking ahead and did some adapting before the season actually began. Instead of planting a whole circle, we saw producers maybe just concentrate on half a circle where they could better manage not only their water, but take less risk in just concentrating half of their circle as opposed to the full circle because they knew the outlook didn't look good in terms of potential moisture throughout the growing season. Farmers have not only been dealing with drought and in many cases declining irrigation capacities, but Raglan says high costs also forced farmers to limit the use of inputs like fertilizers, moves that made sense budgetarily but also meant accepting less production. Unfortunately, hard choices like that will be faced going forward. I know yields are important to all our producers, but with these situations that our producers are dealing with right now, as far as input costs, fuel costs, we've just got to do a better job of sitting down and making a good management plan uh, where we can still be able to make a profit and not be looking at a total loss trying to reach for the moon, maybe perhaps on some of these yields like we have in years past. Once again, that was J.D. Ragland, Randall County Extension agent. And by the way, the Randall County Extension office is hosting its annual Ag Day and Crops Tour on August 30th in Canyon with an agenda full of topics important to farmers and livestock producers. Contact their office for more details. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The yield potential for West Texas cotton is still undetermined, but Tom Nicoletti tells us the prolonged drought and high temperatures will have an impact. We go to West Texas where Eddie Griffiths is standing by in the Lubbock area, and Eddie uh, out there on the South Plains, uh, at least uh, for a short period of time, the high temperatures dipped below 100 degrees recently. That's right, Tom. That's some welcome relief for producers and for the crops in the area. I don't know that it'll mean a whole lot to the crops. 
since they've pretty much done all they're going to do. But for producers and and for well-being out there, going below 100 degrees almost seems like a cold front. So now we're in the middle of August. Daddy, uh, what's the progress of uh, the cotton crop at this point? The cotton crop, as you can well imagine, is is very advanced at this point. I don't know what the yield or yield potential is there. I guess it depends on the available irrigation that producers had for that crop because definitely heat units were in place during that entire period, whether you're talking about daytime heat units or nighttime heat units. And I know that researchers have discussed and seen that sometimes when those heat units are too high for the nighttime temperatures, that's not necessarily beneficial to those crops. So we're seeing a lot of the crops that I know guys were probably anticipating getting maybe a little higher yield on that, that they may not get those yields just simply because of those hot temperatures, too many heat units, and that, that crop cutting out this early. And with, with no additional availability of moisture to push it along, it's going to be interesting to see when we go to harvest uh, if they have the yields there, if the uh, cotton crop did what they thought it was going to do, or if it's going to be a little bit short. I know you've talked with others about abandonment, and I know in West Texas our abandonment rate is going to be pretty high. You know, you look back at 2011, we had 60% abandonment rate visiting with some guys from Plains Cotton Growers. I mean, we could see 70 to 75% for 2022. With all this being said, uh, what harvest is going to be out there may uh, actually occur earlier than uh, anticipated. Definitely going to occur earlier than anticipated, Tom. Another thing that I know gins are getting together, trying to figure out what gins are going to open. They can consolidate and possibly try to get this crop in and done with as soon as possible. I know some of the gins will not open up because they'll consolidate with another gin and try to work at that route even visiting with producers around the area they're going to try to buddy up and instead of getting all the machines ready just get one or two ready and get it knocked out and hope for moisture in the winter time and, and a better crop next year that is eddie griffiths reporting for us today from west texas i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network A crayfish that can reach up to two pounds in under a year has been found in Texas, but it's not a good thing. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we have a lot of horses here in Texas, and a growing number of them are at risk. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Before you go out this summer, Texas A&M Forest Service wants you to keep these extreme heat safety tips in mind. Stay hydrated. Check with local county and city officials for burn bans and fire restrictions. Always have some water readily available if you light a fire or are working with equipment. Working outside this summer? Make sure your equipment is maintained and clean. Keep water with your equipment and have a plan. With these dry and hot conditions, one spark can lead to a large wildfire. For more information, visit tfsweb.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas A&M AgriLife estimates there are over 750,000 horses here in Texas. And Dr. Bob Judd says there are a growing number of them at risk. The Texas 4-H Homes for Horses program is attempting to help these horses. Lexi Romo is the lead graduate advisor for the program, and she indicates horses that have been abandoned, neglected, or abused, and those whose owners cannot care for them are all at-risk horses that need our help. The Texas 4-H Homes for Horses program is led by Dr. Chelsea Huseman and has received an initial two-year grant from the Texas Thoroughbred Association, but are looking for more donors to sustain the program. The ASPCA Right Horse Initiative is also involved in matching each horse with the correct 4-H member to hopefully create a long-term placement for the horses. The 4-H members are given a stipend to care for the horse and at the end of the program can adopt the horses themselves or present the horse for adoption. Prior to adoption, program participants are given intensive instructions on training and care for these horses. Some of the horses have behavioral issues, nutritional issues, and medical issues, and veterinary care is required. The students also learn about health care procedures and the fact that all horses need veterinary care. Foot problems are common in these horses because of lack of hoof care, and some of these horses require months of farrier care to get their feet back into conformation and eliminate problems. This is a great program to save these horses. However, it is just as good for the 4-H students as by caring for these horses, they learn about nutrition, parasites, medical care, and foot care, as well as the responsibility of owning a horse. For more information, contact chelsea.huseman at tamu.edu. That's H-U-S-E-M-A-N. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A crawfish that can reach up to two pounds in under a year has been found here in Texas. But Jessica Domel tells us that is not a good thing. An invasive crayfish that can reach up to two pounds in under a year has been spotted in Texas. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, researchers from the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley found three invasive Australian red claw crayfish in January and February in an apartment complex's pond in the Brownsville area. The complex's pond connects to a nearby Rosaco, which is a form of channel. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department surveyed the area in July and found three additional Australian red claw crayfish in between the pond and the Rosaka. TPWD says that in 2013, a female crayfish of the species with several young was identified on iNaturalist. So the crayfish have been in the area for some time now. Both male and female of the species were found, which means they may be and could have been reproducing. Female Australian red claw crayfish can brood up to five times a year with up to a thousand eggs per clutch. The crayfish grow rapidly and can reach up to two pounds in under a year. They can significantly alter habitat and vegetation, compete with native crayfish, and hurt native fish communities. They may also carry crayfish plague and other parasites and diseases that can hurt native crayfish. It is illegal to purchase, sell, or even have Australian red claw crayfish in Texas. The crayfish can be identified by their large size, large left claw with a red patch on the outer edge, 
ridge and the presence of four distinct ridges on the top of their heads. If you see one, take a photo of it and email that and the location information to aquaticinvasives at tpwd.texas.gov. That is aquaticinvasives at tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw mostly lower trade in the cattle complex to start the week on Monday, but the cotton market was locked limit up on the nearby contracts. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded mostly in the red to kick off the week on Monday. We closed with August live cattle down 47 cents, 139.75. October down 70, 143.80, while December live cattle were down 90 cents, 149.72. Feeder cattle lower on all except the nearby August. It was up 30 cents, 179.92. The September down 37, 183 even, with October feeder cattle down 40 cents, 185.60. Cash-fed cattle trade all quiet for the week. We wrapped up last week selling cattle as high as 140 here in Texas. Up north, we saw sales as high as 149. Boxed beef was higher Monday. Choice up 14 cents, 263.51. Select up 22 at 239.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We need to get old auctioneer Troy involved in this so we can get these cattle sold right quick and talk to Jody Fry from Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo, about how quick they sold cattle on Thursday. Jody, how did it go? Over 1700 again today. Uh, very similar numbers to the week before. These calves and yearlings calling those 3 to $5 higher. Most of the improved demand today would be for your choice light to medium weight calves. Really good demand on those. The fleshy high-yielding high cows, the heavyweight cows, selling at least $1 to $2 higher on those. Thinner flesh cows, the lighter carcass cows, selling Two to four dollars lower. Limited supply of bread cows and just a handful of cow calf pairs today sold about steady. Steers, better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from one forty five all the way up to a high of two oh five, mostly one fifty five to one eighty five. Six to eight hundred pound steers from one thirty all the way up to a high of one eighty, mostly one forty five to one sixty five. Heifer calves, four to six hundred pounds, one twenty five all the way up to a high of one eighty five, mostly one forty to one sixty. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from sixty two to seventy six. Some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from seventy eight to high of 88. Several thinner or lower yielding type cows today, anywhere from 36 to 58. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 75 to 93. Did have some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls, 95 all the way up to a high of 109. Red cows and two-year-olds, just a few singles and small groups of those. Young to good age cows, anywhere from 750 to a high of 1085. 
What do we know for next week, Jody? Well, we've been hung on about 7,000 three weeks in a row on this sheep and goat numbers, and uh, I know of some coming in over the weekend, so I don't see a lot of change there. Uh, the cattle numbers, uh, I look for it to be a little bit lighter, but it's probably going to be more of the same, too, somewhere in this neighborhood, 15, 1,600 head or more. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. The office number is 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Monday. October hogs up 55 cents at $100.57. December hogs up 47 at 90.85. Class 3 milk was higher. August milk up a penny, 2016 100 weight. September milk up 61 at 2041 100. No surprise in the cotton market, we were locked limit up in expanded limits on the two nearby contracts. It's no surprise because we had that USDA crop production and supply and demand report on Friday where they cut nearly 3 million bales out of the U.S. crop, an unprecedented cut in a USDA report. And, of course, that sent the market limit up Friday and limit up once again on Monday. October cotton up 500 points, 119.44. The December up 500 points at 113.59. The weather continues to dominate the corn market. A cooler and drier forecast for the western corn belt, putting pressure on corn prices on Monday. September corn down 13 cents, 626 and three quarters. December corn down 14 at 628 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat closed slightly lower in Monday's trade. September Kansas City wheat down six and a half, 882 and three quarters. While new crop July was down eight and a quarter, eight eighty-one and three quarters. On the soft wheat market, September down five and a quarter at eight dollars and three quarters of a cent. While new crop July was down three, eight thirty-nine and three quarters. In the energy markets, September natural gas up two cents Monday, eight seventy-nine. September crude oil down two seventy-four at eighty-nine thirty-five a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 162 points at 33,923. The Nasdaq up 89, 13,136. The S&P up 19 at 4,299. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.